0: good afternoon everyone thank you for listening to another episode of into the looking glass darkly with your host davis giro and my guest today is one of my close friends bobby sobo aka bobby Dawes. i asked bobby to come on the podcast a because uh, i was shocked it's been really rounding a year since she was last on. She was on for a no-nuance no, uh, no nuance November, and um, she always has such insight and perspective to offer on a number of subjects. But specifically, I wanted to touch base uh, with something that she talked about in one of her tweets recently, which was NFTs, and specifically the idea behind using NFTs um, in sigil work. Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, um, and this is no surprise to either you or her, uh, I have a reluctance towards accepting NFTs and cryptocurrency and some of this technology, the metaverse, things of that nature, based on, honestly, based on the way social media has um, evolved and, and my hesitation towards adding newer, more immersive technology based on the way the technology that we currently have is being utilized. That being said, I think it's always important to be fair to various points of view and perspectives and sides of any debate. And so, Bobby, being someone who is far more uh, open-minded and interested and invested in some of these new technologies, and specifically NFTs and cryptocurrency, I thought it was a good idea to have her come on board and offer her perspective on it. We we share our own insights as to how this technology can be used and in what way, and are there any fall, fallbacks and dangers, or is it really something very marvelous that we can be excited about all technology all new advancements have the ability to be either good or bad the nuclear bomb brings destruction it also brings unbridled power and energy that could light up cities for a fraction of the environmental waste that some of our more traditional methods do Um, a gun can be used to provide food or protection it can also be used for murder so I think it's really important to be fair to it. I I think as you listen to the podcast, you realize that I still have my um, hesitancy towards it. But I also really appreciate Bobby's perspective and, and helping me understand it better. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. It's discussion to better understand things that maybe we're not as familiar with. And so I want to thank Bobby for her perspective and her time. And it's always lovely to chat with her. I mean, we chat all the time off air. And I want to share a little bit of some of our conversations that we have on air for you all to enjoy. And on that note, I want to thank you all as always for listening to this podcast. There are many options that you have out there. This one happens to be mine. And I appreciate that you spend this little hour, hour and a half, two hours with me and my guest every week, uh, even through hiatuses. And I, I just want to share my appreciation to each and one, every one of you. Thank you from the very bottom of my heart. So Without further ado, my guest today, Talking Technomancy, is Bobby Sobo, a.k.a. Bobby Dawes. Oh. Right. Welcome. Welcome. Let's, let's burn more. Every time you're on the podcast, I can anticipate us uh, scorching the earth and pissing someone off. So I feel like we have to continue this tradition.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, we do. <laughs> I'm wondering what it's going to be this time.
0: Well, so, okay, so real recently you were talking about NFT sigils on on the Twitter sphere and people had opinions on NFT sigils. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that and kind of what, what this process might look like and maybe some of the applications. And we'll leave it to our dear listeners to determine whether or not this is something that has wings or otherwise.
1: Right. And I think we should honestly start, like, what is a sigil? You know, and I think that, you know, I feel like, you know, a lot of people, they, there's different types of ways to make sigils. There's, you know, there's occult authors who have written books on this. um, But I feel like there's not really a proven method to see if they work. Um, Essentially, what a sigil is, is a design that you put an intention behind that is supposed to help you, um, kind of gain whatever that intention is. So you essentially would make the sigil, um, whether drawing it or they have digital ways of doing it, or and then you would destroy it or burn it and then kind of forget about it. What a yeah, digital... I always
0: uh-huh. oh go ahead.
1: And like what a digital sigil would be is like creating the same type of thing, this design, if you will, and putting it out on like a blockchain or out into the world. Um, for other people to interact with.
0: Okay. So before we get into what a blockchain is, cause that's a whole can of worms. Um, so to me, a sigil as is most magical tools are designed to focus your intention, whether it's a wand or an inscription or what have you, and I think that one of the things, in my opinion, that gets left out in the conversation about sigil making, because to your point, there is no one way to do it. There's like a traditional way if you're using like a Rose Cross method. Um, There's certainly, uh, in Chaos Magic, there's all kinds of different ways of doing it. I mean, the very early way that I learned how to make a sigil was to write down your intention, remove your vowels, remove duplicate, uh, uh, consonants, and then whatever you've got left you you apply some sort of the, those letters to some sort of shape, um, and what have, in whatever way that you creatively envision it, and then to your point, you you burn it, you forget about it, you you bury it, whatever whatever you do to just put it out of your mind. I think one thing that gets lost in that process, though, is putting energy into every action. You know, I think a lot of people will just draw a sigil and they'll focus and intention and that's enough, but they're not necessarily putting energy into every, if you're doing it by that method I described, every every word, every letter, every every pen stroke, so to speak, um, just like with cooking or or if you're using a wand, like putting energy into every motion, I think strengthens that. And so what I always look at sigils as is a method by which one can focus one's attention in a tactical manner so as to not leave doubt that there, that it's just wishful thinking, but in fact doing something to enact that manifestation to come true. Would that be fair for you?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and I think there's, there's even, they've gone on farther to farther to like hyper sigils, which are a bunch of different sigils that kind of combine into one. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you have like that group effort almost, um, kind of attaining some goal or some intention or some intent, if you will. Um, I also, you know, there's, there's other things too, that you wouldn't, you'd recognize every day. Like I've brought up in conversation, like even corporate logos being sigils. I mean, those are very powerful. We recognize those every single day. They, they evoke something in us, um, you know, as consumers, like, Hey, that Nike symbol, we associate those with like amazing shoes or, you know, that, that, (laughs) <laughs> right? Or that McDonald's
0: logo, you know? <laughs> no, I, I I 100% believe that. Um, When you think of those sigils, it's twofold, right? Number one, they do invoke a certain feeling. When you look at Nike, more often than not, you'll think of Michael Jordan. What does Michael Jordan evoke? It evokes a sense of athleticism, championships, drive, uh, talent, skill, being the best, and so through that association, one, sim- one simple symbol, this little swoosh mark, invokes all kinds of sense of feeling within oneself. Just like McDonald's probably evokes some, some memory of childhood, right? Going to their little playground, Happy Meals, um, it being a weekend treat, things of that nature. And so there's a connectiveness by simply seeing two arches. There's also color association, which we see in magic often, right? So yellow... Uh, And orange being two colors that evoke hunger in us, which is why you'll see that a lot of fast food chains tend to lean into those colors. They're also some of the most recognizable colors from a distance, which is why you see construction workers on the side of the road. They wear the bright orange vest, right? Because it's very – it it attracts the eye. So all those things absolutely do play a part. Whether those corporate marketing folks view them as sigils or – they call it just marketing or whatever, subliminal messaging or manipulation. <laughs> However you want to phrase it, though there are in many regards all around us in many different forms. Um, you mentioned sigils. I have a friend who did a sigil with a pair of sneakers. And basically, he wanted to lose weight. And so he put intentions into these sneakers. And so every time... He, I forget the specifics, but like basically every time he came home from work, he'd put those shoes on and those shoes acted as a motivator to get him to go run. And then he said over time he put so much energy into that that even wearing the shoes, he felt like he didn't have to work out that much. Like he just – the weight came off and it stayed off and it's never come back.
1: Yeah, and I think also on the flip side, like if you're looking at – so we'll go back to like the marketing perspective – if you're looking at it from the corporate side it's drawing in money for them so i mean i think you know we look at like the occult a lot of people they want like two things usually it's usually love or money (laughs) you know and i think that's where um a lot of these like corporate logos sigils things like that that's their main purpose is to bring that in and it's also to motivate people to use or buy their items
0: Isn't it interesting that love and money seem to be the two common denominators when people manifest? There's always some offshoot of the two, right? And I think it's, I I bring that up because those two things, in my opinion, are probably not what people are really seeking on an existential level. I feel like what people, when people say they want love or they want money, what they're really advocating for is freedom and fulfillment. Right? What is love supposed to do? It's supposed to fulfill us. It's supposed to fill in the gaps of things that we allegedly cannot provide for ourselves. What is is the purpose of money? Well, it provides us access. It provides us a lack of scarcity. It removes the chains of necessity of work to feed oneself. If you have enough uh, abundance, you don't need to work. You don't need to go to your nine to five. You don't need to whatever. And so therefore, you're allowed freedom, freedom to have what you want, freedom to express yourself how you want freedom to live how you want. These are all things that are sort of bought in the pursuit of wealth if one can av- ever obtain it. The the danger of course with both of those things is that the pursue um the pursuing nature of it becomes addictive. So you you simply don't gain enough wealth to obtain freedom. You become a slave to the the desire for wealth and you can be a Jeff Brazos type character and it's still not enough. Same thing with love. People can Find love, and then they found ways they find ways to um self destruct good relationships that they need they need more they need additional partners they need additional whatever it may be um and I think part of why those things can shift into addictive natures is because it's not really love and money that you're seeking it's it's fulfillment and it's freedom. And you're, you're pinpointing a methodology by which to attain those rather than let magic do its, do its thing and, and find the best way for you to get to those, to those moments.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I find always people when they're looking for those things, it's always like, oh yeah, I want money. Well, money is, is great, but I mean like money can come in the form of like finding a penny on the ground, you know, your, your, your thing, your, it worked, But, you know, I think you should go deeper when you're thinking of these things. And like when you're like I said, when you're making sigils, you're putting intent and stuff like that, being very specific, like instead of wanting money, well, you need a job that gets you money or you need some form of like in like something that's going to bring that income in. So I would go after instead of just money, go after that job that you're looking for, go after something that's going to bring in that money instead. So kind of that roundabout way of doing it.
0: Yeah, because also when people think about wealth, you know, they, oftentimes about, they, they often think about making money, right? But one of the things, and, and certainly if you reach, read those books like uh, uh, "Rich Dad, Poor Dad," or all those self-help money books a lot of what makes people wealthy is not, or at minimum, is equally their ability to save and not spend money or to spend money wisely versus frivolously, because most wealthy people that you've met, they may make a certain amount of money, but they also save money. Because there's lots of people who make good money and then they spend it immediately. I mean, we've you know, MC Hammer is a great example of someone who had a an abundance of money, and sadly, his his expenditures superseded the amount of his income, as as abundant as it may have been. And so they find themselves in a very a very poor situation um, because it's not strictly what you make; it's also what you save. And so that's why I think that doing magic for abundance might be a better avenue than making doing magic for money because uh, that's only one half of the equation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, <laughs> it's always so funny when I talk about like rich people spending money. You're right; they don't spend money, they but they spend other people's money. So. That's right. They are very good at the, g- the gift of gab. They're very smart in their transactions and how they view money. And it's so much easier to spend somebody else's money and make money off of that and save whatever you've made from somebody else.
0: Well, you think about about energy work, right? In theory, you should not be utilizing your own energy reserves. You should be drawing energy from the universe and using that, right? Otherwise, you'll drain yourself. You'll burn yourself out. It's a very similar technique. And so the reason I point all these out is because magic and sigil working and manifesting, they happen all around us, but we don't think about it in those terms. I think the average person thinks about magic, thinks about the occult, thinks about ritual work. In the arcane sense, you know, uh, dudes with beards and robes and wands and and hidden temples and old books and and incense and candles. And I love all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Wizards. I'm a wizard. And those things are fine and they're great. And like I said, I personally love those things, but that's just an aesthetic magic happens in a lot of more modern ways and i think the ability to recognize when magic's being used towards you whether it's against you or for you but towards you um will help you be more aware of the 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 manipulators of life right like we go back to the advertisement you I know mean, people get fast food addictions i certainly borderline on one why what is it you know what what is that thing and it doesn't make you a victim to it. It certainly doesn't make you in, totally enslaved to it, but, but if you're unaware of it, you will be far more enslaved than if you walk into it with eyes wide open. Um, once you start to understand that magic presents itself in modern mediums, because uh, we haven't even talked about like movies and music and things of that nature, but the, that is all spell work in its own right. Right. Books. Absolutely. Certainly. If you, if you, if you take Alan Moore's word for it, art and magic are, Intrinsically interlinked, they are one and the same. Two, two sides of a coin, if you if you will, um, art subtracted from magic, or magic subtracted from art, is just a product. It's commerce. It's schlock. And so, when we start, when we break ourselves out of thinking that magic only exists in one methodology, then you open yourself up to perhaps thinking of new ways to explore using magic. And that kind of brings us back to the idea of NFT sigils and NFTs being a new medium by which perhaps we could utilize for magic. And and I would certainly argue that magic's being done against us as the consumers.
1: So, yes. And I, I am of the mind of, you know, it's kind of like magic is everywhere. You can really find it in a lot of things, especially art. Like art has a way of, you know, influencing people. It has a way of, um kind of getting into your you know into deeper meanings and things like that like people will spend so much money and time on art and just like putting their all and emotions and everything into something um and i think like especially when you're going into nfts like they can put that out there into the world for others to kind of you know share it or keep it to themselves and that's going to be something that's going to either empower them or it's going to you know it's it's going to get them to a point where it's like, well, maybe I'm going to start creating my own art, creating my own influence. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's very influential because I'll tell you that my experience with NFTs is I'm still kind of putzing around with it. There's my Jewish Mm -hmm. word of the day for you Um, (laughs) kind of putzing around um, because I got in, my experience was more on the crypto coin experience. Okay. So I got in with Bitcoin when it, you know, early stages in like, I would say like 2010, 2009, somewhere in there. Um, so cryptocurrency and, you know, having like an economics background, I was really interested in like the market. So now looking at it from a more artistic perspective and seeing how it's influencing people, um, and influencing like just online communities is really interesting. Um, you can see, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, go ahead. I mean, you can see this with like the, the Bored Apes community or even um, you've seen those little apes that are all over the place that are covered in like vomit or snot or have like an eyeball falling out. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've seen them everywhere. So there's definitely a um, an influence behind it. So I'm thinking we're not far off from NFT sigils. Okay, so
0: so let's, let's dive into some terminology because I think that for the larger world, Uh, the idea of what an NFT is or cryptocurrency is still very foreign. I still feel that there's quite a bit of misinformation out there or at least skewed information, depending on which way you land on the subject matter, as is always the case seemingly these days. Um, So what is, I guess let's backtrack for the very beginning. What is cryptocurrency as you understand it?
1: So cryptocurrencies are basically digital tokens that live on a blockchain. And a blockchain is just an electronic ledger that kind of keeps track of, you know, these, like, they're transa- they're basically transactions. So um, they live on this system that will, you know, verify these transactions, and they can be exchanged for other currency. Um, there's no bank involved. So it's very decentralized. Um, it's peer to peer. So instead of dealing with, you know, you chase bank, you're dealing with the person directly. Um, so that's kind of what a blockchain is. Uh, you can really talk about it for hours and hours, but on a very basic level, it's just an electronic ledger. It verifies transactions and it holds, you know, it holds those transactions.
0: And then and then, what from, from a cryptocurrency or a blockchain, how do we get NFTs?
1: So NFTs are just non-fungible tokens. They're things that live on the blockchain. They can be anything from like art. They could be music. You can put your podcast on the blockchain um, and mint it there as well um so it's just kind of like it's an exchange and so it's art exchange basically right now is where we're really seeing it but i i feel like it can expand and have more utility in the future um as far as i've also seen them as like concert tickets or event um tickets you can buy them on the blockchain and hold them in your wallet um and so with so, this, i'm sorry
0: no we have a delay it's okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: So with this, I mean, like with your wallet, it's pr- everything is secure. So you have a, like a seed phrase and a password to get in. So nobody else can get this um, transaction. You can basically, you know, when you have like that NFT, you can use it as profile pictures to verify your identity. Um, you can use it as all sorts of things. Like there, it, it's really we're in our infancy stages of things still.
0: So I think. And There's no secret. You and I probably have very differencing opinions on uh, cryptocurrency and NFTs as they currently exist. Um, I have I have legit concerns about the security level of them and and also the practicality of them, because for cryptocurrency, I think the idea really sounds great. But the problem is, is that it's not actual currency. And I think that's that's something that maybe needs to evolve in it's in it's uh, how we how we refer to it, because um, if you take a Bitcoin, which at one point, the last I'd heard was rough. One Bitcoin was roughly the equivalent of about forty six thousand dollars. That's on. I, I don't know exactly where the market's at these days and that that'll dovetail into my next point. But if you were to say splinter off a fraction of a Bitcoin to buy a hot dog. For five dollars, which is an expensive hot dog, but just for the sake of easy math, tomorrow the value of that same hot dog might be, um, or the or at least the piece of coin that you broke off to buy that hot dog might be go from five dollars to a thousand dollars. In which case, you would have you would have bought a hot dog for a thousand bucks relative to the exchange rate difference, or it could plummet to 50 cents, in which case you got a hot dog as a steal. Um, this is no different really than when you're talking about like a foreign currency, right? Um, we're about to book a trip to to Australia, and depending on where the market is at any given point, my dollar will be worth X or Y, and that can change from day to day while I'm there. This, this also affects the cryptocurrency. So what it truly is right now, and as you said, it's in its infancy, it's a speculative market. It's an it's an investment um, in terms of for the future, it feels like. That being said, it is very interesting some of the applications that can be applied to this technology. Um, right now, it seems most prevalent with um, art. And like I said, it being a speculative market, um, with art, what I, what I, I think there's, there's, there's obviously some very real criticism towards it, whether or not you actually ever own the art or whether you just own a receipt that you own the art. Um, do you ever have access to the, Could you ever lose the art if the server goes down? Does that disappear? All these things kind of apply. But with a sigil and using it as a sigil, I think that that's a little bit more intriguing because you're not simply buying a, a, a PDF of a bored ape you know, or what I call modern day garbage pill kids. Um, <laughs> you actually, you are actually potentially putting into motion uh, a manifestation, a spell, if you were into a blockchain that can never be erased. Like it will always exist within this particular blockchain and whatever application it's used. So that to me, from a magician standpoint is very intriguing to me because it's less about a value um proposition as it relates to like what you're buying what you're not buying but rather what you can infuse into a blockchain and how that could have long lasting effects to those who use the chain
1: oh yeah absolutely um (laughs) oh my god the modern garbage pill kids that's hilarious i always compared them to like (laughs) beanie babies for adults um also applies (laughs) You know, I mean, because it's like you can make millions off of, you know, buying the right animal at the right time or you can go completely broke buying the wrong one. Um, But again, I feel like it's also like with like, especially cryptocurrency, it is backed by fiat, which is, you know, a dollar of some form. So some currency is backing it up. Um, Mm. But at the same time, like once you put it into the Bitcoin, it's it's no longer there's no bank involved, you know. And that's where I think a lot of people there's more trust because it's going from one to one instead of having something like kind of intermediary that could, you know, get involved with that. Um, And I think that's where the blockchain comes in handy is that we do get a better sense of trust because there I mean, you have to verify your transaction. If your key doesn't match what you're trying to get, you're not it's not going to it's not going to happen. So Mm. and I think like technologically, I, I would say it's moving to be even more secure than less secure. Um, doesn't Doesn't mean that they're not getting hacked because um, I, you know, it does happen. And I, and like I said, I feel like we are still in the infancy of things of seeing what is the possibility of, you know, the future of Web three, so to speak.
0: Right. Well, that's but that's that's my point is that like it is so early on. I don't think you can deny that a lot of the major players within the cryptocurrency world are, m- in many regards, some of the same. Um, economists that were involved with the housing crisis in 2008, as is with all things. And this is not an indictment specifically about cryptocurrency in itself, but simply like all things, when there is money to be made, the bandits will come to to hang out, right? If there's a, if there's a hen house, the Fox will sneak around. Oh yes. So, so I just, it, so because it it feels like it's very much wild, wild West right now in terms of what it can be used for and how it's used. And I think that there are still new ways to utilize a blockchain. And this is why I found your tweet about using it for a sigil so fascinating because outside of the financial stability or lack thereof in investing in cryptocurrency or NFTs, this it still remains. If you inject something that is unbreakable with a certain energy signal, can that have long can that have a broader effect against across everyone who uses the blockchain? Like if you use if you created a sigil and you charged it in the same way that you would charge a practical sigil and you lock it into the blockchain, and I might be using the wrong technology, you know, terminology, <laughs> but if you, you engage it in this blockchain weirdness and um and then people interact with it, then in theory, whatever you put into that can have some interaction with the
1: users right so it would be have to be a transaction of some form so like you could put it on a blockchain like say you put it on openc which is uh, a prevalent nft kind of website um you put it on there somebody will mint it um or you know and purchase it so they'll end up with it what they can then do is go ahead and sell it again like say their purpose is done with it they or whatever whatever the reason they want to sell it or it goes up in ether price or whatever it is they can sell it so people are continually interacting this is just a theoretical um, okay
0: so let's just let's just take the most common usage right or just the easiest way to think about it let's say i make an nft that calls for abundance i'm drawing in jupiter energy i do my sigil and i simply i simply create it to say abundance and then i put it on uh, open or what have you and someone buys it and this person <laughs> has this and they perhaps obtain abundance and certainly the most obvious way for them to obtain abundance is for them to resell the NFT, right? And make a profit. If they buy it from a hundred bucks or a hundred, whatever Bitcoin pieces and pieces of eight, and then they sell it for 200, then they've made a, they've, they've actualized and so on and so forth. So in theory, you could create a community where, the sigil it, it, almost in the same way that um what is that one what is that one hyper sigil that the all the chaos use? Uh is it link not linky? You know what I'm talking about? It's like the the one that sort of acts as a satellite and you kinda of pass it around. Oh, oh, oh it's on the tip of my tongue. Um crap. It's not, not lynxy, but I I for some reason I'm leaning in that direction.
1: I don't remember what it was.
0: But but either way, you could use a, an NFT sigil to affect many people who choose to enact with it, right? And exactly. in theory, if they're each putting energy into it before they pass it along or sell it or what have you, over time, it would gain strength, right? It would, would be coming in of itself, its own egregore of energy surrounding whatever the sigil was made around. And because it's undestroyable, the only way to stop it would be for someone to just simply sit on it, right?
1: Yeah, they would have, I mean, it, it would basically, they'd have to keep it in their wallet or, you know, kind of diamond hand it, if you if you will, just holding on to that thing forever. Um, But, you know, and then, of course, like, the market's always going to change. So you're always going to see ups and downs and things like that. So, you know, it's also about being wise when to do this. You know, you're obviously not going to sell it if you're looking for abundance when the market is down. So probably
0: probably not working then
1: not as well no and that's why with everything i feel like it's just in its infancy and i feel like there needs to be more testing because even with regular sigils they're they're not always a hundred percent nothing is a hundred percent when you're when you're talking occult or magic or anything like that but i'm also of the mindset like if you put enough intention or belief behind something you can really do a lot
0: not to say that can apply to. Yeah. And that can be applied to anything. And that's why I I thought it was really important for us to talk about how there's magic being done in some modern uh, forms and particularly advertising and marketing. Because I think, again, my personal feelings on or, or distrust of crypto and and frankly, my distrust of most of anything uh, to be fair, but if humans are involved, I am generally distrusting. If corporations are involved, I'm definitely distrusting. If the government's involved, I absolutely don't trust it at all. But, but, we can't also dismiss these things just because they're new. We can't dismiss the possibilities that they open up both good and bad um, just because it's different. And there was a quote from David Bowie that I I, I don't have in front of me. Um, Maybe I can find it quickly, but when he's talking about the internet when it was really in its early stages and he's talking about how it's both a wonder and, and a fear um, you know, it it could be something that's both miraculous and 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 um and amazing and also very dangerous. And I I certainly oh let's see if I found okay. So I think I found this quote. I'll try to get to it very quickly. Um. So they ask him about the internet, and David Bowie says, "I don't think we've seen the tip of the iceberg. I think we've actually on the cusp of something extro- uh exhilarating, and terrifying." The interviewer says. It's just a tool though, isn't it? And David Bowie responds, no, it's an alien life form. Is there life on Mars? Yes, it's just landed here. The actual context and state of content is going to be so different from anything we envisage at the moment where the interplay between the user and the provider will be so simpatico that it's going to crush our ideas of what the mediums are all about. It's happening in every form. The gray space in the middle is what the 21st century is going to be about which I thought was really interesting when you think about how the internet has played out. And, and I think that he was very much ahead of his time in realizing that this new technology was going to be, especially for artists uh, amazing. And, 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 you know, knocking the gates down and being able to self promote and self market. And people who have been able to build stars like the, the Paul brothers, for example, people who have been able to build their own little fiefdoms from the internet. At the same time, a lot of artists have found, especially musicians, have found it incredibly difficult to make money off their art any longer because of the systems that came in place. Your Spotify's, your iTunes, and the amount of money that they pay out to their musicians because they got in so early, they were able to manipulate the market. Whereas a CD selling for ninety nine, the artist might make a dollar to two dollars per CD on um, on a internet airplay they're only making fractions of a cent per listen, right?
1: Right. So
0: I think that we're at a very similar place with NFTs and blockchain. I think that we're in we're on the precipice of something both miraculous and utterly frightening depending on how it's used. And so I I think that to dismiss it outright to to poo poo any idea that it could be used for something that we typically attribute to old world living I think is short-sighted and I think is, is, uh, the, the hallmark of someone who will be left behind intentionally or otherwise as, as society and the market changes.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think we're only, you know, get the tip of the iceberg. Like right now I've seen, you know, we're, we're barely getting into like the metaverse, you know, which is just digital spaces. Imagine being able to hold like a ritual, um, with somebody, with people from all over the globe, but doing it virtually, you know, mm-hmm. you can set up these systems and these spaces. And I, and I feel like that's where we're going as a society is we're starting to be, you know, we're, we're trying to interact more, but in a different manner. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And again, there's both pros and cons to it, right? On the one hand, just like with the internet, just like with this, you're upstate California. I'm down Southern California. We're having a a nearly, minus the slag, real-time conversation, um, which we would not be able to do in the same manner without this technology available to us. This podcast, by its very nature and by virtue of the internet, is going to travel. When I look at the stats... Whenever I look at like who's listening, it's literally people all around the world, which is amazing to me that some person in Belgium, some person in like the Netherlands, some person in um, uh, Germany, some person in um, Thailand, some person in Australia, some person in in Spain, all can be listening to this little podcast that's created in my office in Southern California, right? So it's amazing the reach that can occur simultaneously. The metaverse is controlled by the architects of its structure. And um, certainly if it's people like Facebook, if it's people like Mark Zuckerberg, it's uh, Jeff Brazos, uh, Elon Musk, we can't ignore the the influence that they could have over us in these spaces. It's very fascinating. It's very interesting. Um, and I think that we, as the keepers of knowledge of of ancient arts of artistic nature in general should be really examining what the effects that these things can have, both good and bad. How can they be used to our benefit? Like this podcast perhaps. How can they be used against us? Like the way social media media has contributed to um, depression and anxieties. Why are we not why are we not looking because when I saw your tweet, I mean I took the piss out of it a little bit, but I seem to see I seem to have seen a lot of people really just like try to shut it down as like, I don't know, like very it felt very
1: dismissive, I guess. I mean, you're always going to have those those Internet boomers who are there to ruin everyone's fun. Um, And, you know, I feel like those who went really hard against it are the same ones who really can't explain it. And I feel a lot of um, there's a lot of education that needs to happen as well. Um, Cause mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm talking metaverse, I'm not talking about the Facebook, how they've changed to meta. I'm talking about, these are decentralized platforms that are run by DAOs, which are, I mean, it's a whole other thing. They're basically organizations run by a bunch of people. You know, they take votes on things. It's, it's very, um, not a government ish type thing. It, so, it sounds like in its best form, it's very democratic. Yes, I mean, in a it is in a way, and there is definitely um, like Decentraland, for example, is, you know, they have a whole ecosystem. You can buy land there. You can I mean, if you wanted to set up a whole, you know, ch- Church of Oscuro, you could. <laughs> like,
0: Nobody wants that. It's just going to be <laughs> and a lot of weed smoking and wine drinking mostly.
1: And that's fine. <laughs> and that's fine.
0: There's it, no clothing required in uh, the Church of Obscure on the on the Metaverse.
1: Oh, but they've come out with some really good digital fashion, actually. Um, I will have to say, I've seen some amazing stuff as I've been kind of trolling around Twitter.
0: That's true. That's uh, clothing optional. that at least I mean, you can wear it if you want. Come with your high
1: key fashions, or don't come without, or come without them.
0: Yeah, or or leave them home entirely. So, <laughs> so have you seen? I mean. I, your tweet. I was really. What's, what's interesting, I guess, to me is that um, you were the first person I really saw even mentioning this, and and then when I saw it, I was like, "How interesting! How how have we not thought about this at all? Like, it, it's going to happen in the same way that we've seen within chaos magic. Other things occur that sort of take non traditional magical elements and apply them to there."
1: You know, I've seen it mentioned here and there um, just because, I mean, some of the circles I run in, I mean, I I feel like nothing was ever born in a vacuum. And I think that we definitely evolve as a society and we can – we change things as we go. I mean, I know that, like, just in my own, like, spiritual practice, you know, I practice um, a very – very Judaic, but I throw in a lot of witchcraft as well, you know, and that's – it's kind Mm -hmm. of like how my – my spiritual beliefs have evolved over time. Um, so like I right. said, I don't think everything is really built in a vacuum. And when we get to that, that point where we get a little deeper into what, you know, NFTs and the metaverse are going to hold, I think that we're going to discover there's a lot more utility for it um, than just that, you know, a fun picture or some cute clothes that you can wear to a digital meeting.
0: And by the way, the 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 chaos magic sigil that we were talking about earlier, I was I wasn't totally off. It's called LS. Sometimes oh, yeah. referred to as LS, uh, it's it's referred to as a linking sigil. So essentially, if you can think about sort of a router in your house bouncing an internet signal around to reach each corner, within chaos magic, you can do uh, an LS sigil, a linking sigil that can provide uh, a sort of hub for an overarching. Magical ritual, intention, group group intention, to be broadcast broader than the confines of your you know immediate space, and uh, I I bring that up because again to me when you mention that that this reminds me of the most it reminds me of using NFTs or or some form of blockchain maybe not specifically an NFT but like the blockchain technology to create a a broader alas a broader linking sigil amongst various people uh within within the 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 greater uh metaverse because really i think when we when we talk about the internet we've been talking about the metaverse as sort of a thing that is coming and yes the the technical metaverse is a thing that's coming but i feel like we are in the metaverse like Within the last five years, the way we interact with social media, the way we interact with the internet, the way we are, are, so much of our lives are buoyed and immersed by the internet, we are really truly already living in a very proto-metaverse world. We're just going to evolve further into it. And so I think that uh, it reminds me of Watchmen, another Alan Moore comic, where the good guys show up to stop the bad guy, and the bad guy's like, are you kidding me? I did this 45 minutes ago. You think I would tell you my plan before doing it? This is not a Scooby-Doo cartoon, right? I'm already done. I've already won. I think we're already in the metaverse. We're already into this world. It's going to happen one way or another. The key is, is what we do with it and how do we shape it to best... Benefit us, or do we opt out entirely? Because that's a, a, also a viable option. And for other magicians um, on Twitter, which is frankly what all they do, is really just talk shit about everyone else's ideas and then steal that idea and present it as brand new and their own, like three <laughs> months later. But, but I think to do that is really short short sighted, in my opinion, because I think the tide is is going that direction, just like at some point horse and buggy gave way to the vehicle and the vehicle gave way to the the electronic car and the electronic car is going to give way to the virtual reality traveling it, it is a it is the progression that for better or for worse for miraculous or terrifying we're heading into and how do we use magic in accordance to that I think there's some really really amazing options available. I think uh it's also really interesting that you mentioned even in joking like this idea of like a church of curdo because I could absolutely see cults forming on or in the metaverse, just like in many regards we see a lot of cults on for Twitter. All of purposes <laughs> being started on Twitter, yeah exactly,
1: oh, oh the Twitter cults, yes, no we see them all the time, but I mean when you look at the world in general, you always have to understand there's always going to be good versus bad, black, white, whatever you want to call it. There's always going to be a polar opposite on both sides. Um, And I think that we're with a metaverse. I feel like, you know, especially people will be able to find their their identities as well, because a lot of people are, Mm. that's another big hot topic. I think that, you know, as we progress, people will be able to express themselves better. They'll be able to choose, you know, how they want to present themselves to other people, you know, because sometimes I feel like there's a lot of people, you know, on the opposite end of that screen that are, you know, they want to represent themselves a certain way, but can't for whatever reason. And I use that yeah. term loosely because it could be anything from, you know, people who are, you know, hiding transitions, things like that.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. It's, it's something I really hadn't thought about to just now when you brought that up, you know, we think about the metaverse as a sort of this escape From reality, but in many regards, there's a lot of different ways that one might want to express themselves that for one reason or another, they don't have the financial means, the physical means, or or the support in their communities to do so. Um and when you can live in a world that transcends the flesh or fight or even your financial means, then it does truly open doors for you to express yourself in in the manner that you feel like you best want to express yourself and as fluidly as you would want to express yourself.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I, and I'm seeing a lot of stuff. Um, Cause I do a lot of research on this and I'm like, I'm going through different, you know, different brands and companies. I'm seeing people create these amazing things. Like you could be literally a unicorn if you wanted to they have a, basically a digital garment you can wear to be a unicorn. And who doesn't wear. love a good unicorn? We all love a good unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know these are these are artists that are you know helping people express themselves or helping people to you know i mean they can they can be more comfortable with who they are um so yeah
0: have you ever read um i think i might be butchering that i think it's called transmetropolitan or Trans- po- Metropolitan man warren ellis i'll look it up real quick so no, basically it, he he's he he's based his character on um, Hunter S. Thompson and uh, Transmetropolitan, and in the story, this journalist is sort of living in a world where where people modify their bodies in a, in, a, in a variety of ways—cybernetics, uh, um, 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 mutation, things of that nature. Right, the 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 splicing and infusion of different genetic codes into one's own code. And um, sort of the backdrop of this world that that he's living in, I actually think that you would actually like it. Uh, the lead character's name is Spider Jerusalem.
1: Um, transhumanism, met- I'm in.
0: <laughs> well, so I think that we think about that often, and we think about a future in which people are able to, you know, graft cybernetics. You know, um, Ghost of the Machine kind of touches on these kind of things. Um, uh, the Matrix, things of that nature. When we when we think of cyberpunk, we've always sort of envisioned, or at least I've always envisioned, that the future will be a world in which if you don't like your arm, you'll put mechanical arms on. If you don't like your eyesight, you'll have an implant of different eyesight in there. But perhaps the more natural step is to simply step into a world where you you and your existence is entirely customizable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we're even getting into that, that transhuman um, aspect. I mean, I've kind of dabbled in it as well. Like right now I have a um, RFID chip or yes, an RFID chip under my nail that has links to all my social media and it has an emergency contact if, you know, anything were to ever happen. So there's definitely, there's pros and cons to everything. You know, we're coming out with new ways to, you know, detect blood, things in our blood. We have, you know chips that can be implanted for, you know, opening your car, your house, you know, have all your credit cards stored on it, things like that.
0: Okay. Okay. So I don't know what that thing is that you said is on your nail. You have to explain that to me. I'm old.
1: <laughs> so I have a chip that's actually embedded into the acrylic on my nail that, mm-hmm. um, when you put your phone up to it, you can actually pull up all my social media. It'll pull up my email address, uh, both work and regular email address. And then, you know, it's basically like a contact chip. Like, have you ever seen those dot cards where everybody kind of taps your phone and it pulls up all their uh, social medias and stuff or relevant sites? No,
0: no, because I don't, I don't interact with people. But I have, I have <laughs> gone to restaurants. <laughs> I have gone to restaurants where they make you scan the barcode and it brings the menu up. Is it kind of like that
1: in yes, a way? Exactly. So it'll pull up like a menu where you can see all my my information that I. Give you to contact me or if you want to, you know, see what my social media is, you can put your portfolio on there or it's just a link to a site, basically. So it's no different than like a tap and pay at the grocery store. How you just kind of hold your phone and pay for something. Well, I have that chip implanted in my nail. So we're not far off from human customization
0: that's really interesting because i i I remember okay so being being a filmmaker you know back in the day everyone had uh business cards right um no matter what what position you did in film and and no matter to what level you were actually truly involved in film i think that a lot of people felt like they had to carry on business cards to network right and all this jazz um but then at some point i noticed that there were there was that shift away from traditional business cards to cards that have like the barcode on there and you just scan, and then you, you have everything right. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I, use Linktree. Linktree has, you know, my podcast in the various, uh, platforms that it exists on for whatever reason, I can't change the name on iTunes, uh, like it shows everywhere else. So if you're still seeing, if you're still listening to a culture Talk podcast, it's just cause <laughs> Apple's weird. Um, but you know, we've seen these sort of shifts where you use like a one 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 code to to hold them all, right? Like it's almost like the one ring of power, except it's a link with everything that you'd have. So I think it's very fascinating that you could just you could put a link in your nail, and then if someone was if you were to meet someone out, you wouldn't have to fumble with a, a business card or even a card with a barcode. You could simply just have them take a photo of your fingernail or scan your fingernail in some just way.
1: Tap their phone on my finger and that's it and it pops up with a little QR code like link when you like when you scan the QR codes, you'll see the menu link pop up so a link will pop up on your phone and you just you hit you hit the link
0: wow that's really cool actually i feel like there is a lot of technology that has Um, that I think it made its way in for a brief moment and then it didn't quite catch and we haven't quite gone back to it yet, but it feels like we're just like so close to that. And the thing that made me think about that is like Google, do you remember Google glass? Yeah. I still have mine somewhere. Like the, the, uh, the actual, uh, lenses. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was like a thing that came out for a brief moment and then it never quite caught on. like, it did briefly, but then for, it got a lot of negative blowback and it and it sort of never took off. But it feels like it's the next natural progression, right? You would wear glasses that essentially are your phone in glass form. Like like if you imagine the Terminator's view vision in the Terminator movies, like it would have whatever. It would yeah. be scanning things at, at a constant rate and feeding you information directly into your vision so you don't have to look down. Just by virtue of the fact that so many neck injuries and accidents occur by people being distracted by their phone, you would certainly imagine that there would be a market for introducing some sort of eyewear that operated in a far more um, seamless manner than the the prototypical Google Glass did. What you're talking about with the with the chip in your nail seems to be. That starting to be realized, like some of those early, early technologies that came out for whatever reason, didn't quite hit or it's just a little bit ahead of its time. Them actually starting to get some traction and some and some use.
1: So what I found, because when I had my Google glasses, I found that the biggest problem with them was privacy, So a lot of places weren't allowing you to wear them inside, like movie theaters, um, restaurants, uh, places like strip clubs wouldn't allow them just because they could record video. And I think that's where the problem was. Um, And I know that there's a few companies right now that are working on clear OLED display um, glasses. Um, What are those? uh, So the clear, they're going to use LiDAR detection instead. So it's going to be able to. If you need directions, you can pull them up on your glasses and it'll give you directions uh, like kind of turn by turn. But it's all directed by LiDAR detection. So like these – oh, I forget what the – hang on. Let me find the – I was just reading it. uh, LiDAR detection.
0: Well, while you're looking that up, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, privacy has eroded to almost nothing as it is. And um certainly with cell phones, like there's no way to keep really unless you catch someone in the act, there's very limited way of seeing someone record at a at a movie theater, maybe to a Lesser degree, a strip club, et cetera, those places that are have traditionally been private. By burying the technology even more so into sort of spy cams, like into it with spy glasses, like you used to see in the in the in the back of comic books, you know, pay send send three dollars and get your your own spy glasses like this is actually real technology that's yeah it's not just because those glasses in the old funny books they were just like extended lenses with mirrors you could sort of just gave you better peripheral vision yeah you know can kind of sort of see behind you a little bit further but these are actually the realization of those promises using the technology that's available for us it does beg the question though that there is the, the further erosion of privacy through the use of them but on the other hand the amount of information that one would have at the speed of thought is kind of fascinating to think about.
1: Oh, it is. So getting back to the LIDAR, it's basically a, it's a laser that does, you know, range detection. So when you're doing, when you pull up your, your, like say your Apple maps or Google maps or whatever on your, your glasses, that LIDAR detector will can actually scan and see how far everything is. So that way it gives you, yeah, they're working on those now, which I think is really interesting because I feel like, you know, the intersection between, you know, the The human world of technology is definitely going to intersect sooner than we think,
0: oh uh, yeah, I mean, I think it is it is bleeding in further and further, like I said, we were already married to our phones and in twenty years, we went from very clunky telephones that were able to be mobile. We went from mobile phones to smartphones, and that progression i don't think should be understated it's it's a pretty it's a pretty immense shift in in what these devices are able to do they went from telecommunication tools to supercomputers in your pocket and um from supercomputers in your pocket to an essential part of one's life if you want to do nearly anything these days um you know we we now live in a world where a lot of meetings are done via zoom i just saw an article it's a cute article like the University of Texas gave this cat a honorary diploma because during all the, the course studies via Zoom, the cat was already always on video. And so when its owner graduated, the University of Texas thought it would be cute to give this cat its honorary diploma. So it's a little photo of a cat with this little graduation cap and gown and what have you. Um, so many meetings are via Zoom. It's a hop, skip and away for those meetings to now just be in a metaverse type virtual reality
1: absolutely and uh, you know it's like i'm even having i have meetings you know on my phone through like other channels discord or wherever you know we're never too far away from a computer let's put it that way and remember and remember now if you don't have that phone and say you lose your phone somebody steals it or something like that and you're stranded downtown somewhere try and find a payphone. <laughs> oh it's a they not exist those are a thing of the past they are relics now they've just become like a meme. Every time you see like an old rusted one on the side of the road, somebody will take a picture of it and be like, What is this?
0: <laughs> well, I think it's interesting also because, you know, as this technology advances, as we are drawn further into the metaverse or, or virtual reality or our existence starts to shift out of the practical world into that, um, it's interesting from a spiritual perspective of how that will affect us, you know, like in traditional magic. Now you might visualize an angel in front of you, or you might visualize a deity in front of you or what have you, but in a virtual environment, you could, I mean, I don't know if this is entirely possible now, but it feels like there could be a neural link that that would project a visualization, a, a real visualization of what's in your mind in front of you. So you're not just seeing with your mind's eye, but you're actually seeing with some version of your, your physical eyes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also think because I have just recently learned about this, some people have a really hard time visualing visualizing things. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and I think that, you know, when when we get into like the more virtual metaverse world, I think accessibility also comes into play because now we can help them visualize, we can help them, you know, see what what needs you know whatever process we're going through we can there's a little more accessibility
0: where my fear comes into play is with the powers that be behind the scenes you know it's the people who are who are coding and creating these virtual worlds the architects of them of these of these virtual landscapes that i that i have a deep distrust of but there is certainly a a, uh well because you mentioned discord earlier right so anyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows that I I certainly have a very uh, mixed feelings towards social media and the impact it has. But that being said, I'm constantly on them because it is, in many regards, my main form of telecommunications, far more than even text messaging, much less phone calls or in-person interaction. I've been really, I think this weekend I'm going to set up a Discord, and if I do, then in the outro, I'll I'll tell folks where they could potentially apply for it. It won't be open it won't be an open gate. It will be a curation process, but my my motivation for creating a Discord is because I hate social media and the the thing that I love about social media, I think that I can recreate in a more private environment. Do you foresee there being a world where perhaps as we progress into a corporate metaverse that then people can somehow create private servers that have the same power in an application, but are completely cut off from everyone else and not subject to the Zuckerbergs and the Brazos and the Musk having uh, influence over it, even on some sort of backend uh, manner.
1: I mean, absolutely. I feel like the, they, they are already doing that. I think that they're, you know, that's going to be um, definitely more of what the metaverse is meant to be. Um, mm. I think what they're really trying to do is get rid of the Zuckerbergs, Bezos and all of them because, I mean, there's not much control on the consumer end. And I think that's where Web 2 is – that's where we've been is we've been in the, you know, Amazon, Facebook logins and all that where a little less – it's more decentralized. So now it's – you would use like your your wallet basically to connect. Mm. So your wallet yeah. would be like the key. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because certainly I think that we would be naive to not feel like the government um, or governments and certainly corporations are tracking our every movement based on our our, our internet uh, behaviors. Um, so, like, I'll date myself a little bit, but there, there was a. Uh, do you remember the the Aerosmith Alicia Silverstone trilogy? Yes, I think it was amazing. The song amazing that uh, the the whole premise for the music video is like this nerd like puts in a disc and he creates his perfect girl and it's Alicia Silverstone. He goes riding around in motorcycles and what have you. Um, And then it gets all wacky at some point, you know, those of us who were, who were in our adolescence or teenage years or early twenties in the nineties. And were really interdated with the idea of cyberpunk and cyberpunk lifestyle kind of envision the future in that manner, where you could create within your own world, this like pocket universe that allows you freedom within it. And, I feel like if we could get to the point with that technology where our our virtual worlds are truly our own creation, separate from a a broader uh, governing board, that there are some really cool, amazing things that can be done within that world without the necessary, the dangers, the fears, the anxieties of, you know, the same things we have for social media, which is what is the impact? What is the influence of outside agents, actors, agitators
1: yeah, well, and I think, too, it's like when you look at companies like, you know, Meta, for example, like, yes, it may be free, but our data is, you know, that is the currency. That is what they're farming off of us. And I think when we're going yeah. to Metaverse spaces, we're taking more power back. And instead of, you know, giving up our data, like our wallet, which is basically it's it's all in hexadecimal and it's all coded. We're not giving up as much personal data. It's le- It's yeah. less data given then um and there's more trust I think as well because I really feel like when you give your information to these companies I mean we see all the time that you know data breaches and stuff like that when you you know kind of go into a more metaverse space there there's really not a lot of personal data like that can be harvested like with the other companies
0: yeah yeah because it's not like you're joining it, it, as I understand it, it's not like you're just you're hopping on a platform that pre that already exists, that already that already has mechanisms in place to farm that data from you. You're creating a world, right? It's almost yeah. like a like a blank space that you can create through, um, what I would assume would be perhaps some. Like I would I would imagine in its early days, it'll be much like creating a website those who know how to code and who have a deeper understanding of technology could probably create far more elaborate landscapes and, and then probably other people will have to sort of buy, you know, uh, the Wix of the world or the sort of the easy to use Squarespace, the easy to create programs that give you formats and backgrounds and things of that nature and allow you to purchase deeper backgrounds and deeper um, aspects to, to build out your world if you don't have, uh, if you don't have that skill set. Perhaps that offers its own set of problems, but it certainly feels like the ability to self-create a world on a technological space has the potential for some positive um, application. I also think that it will I, – I certainly believe that there will be a handful of people that we know on Twitter that will hop on and create their own little weird churches of disciples and could open the door for that kind of influence. It's very fascinating to me. Scary and amazing all at once. And I feel like there is no reason why we should not be looking into this more deeply and trying to figure out which way the tide is going to go. And is it it a unilateral move or is it a splintering of a bunch of different moves that open endless possibilities?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I I think right now we're seeing a lot of people filtering Um, as they gain more knowledge. I think that we are seeing um more people interacting i have a friend who started their own coin and um they basically you know started this this it's basically a meme coin just to teach people i think how mm. trading is done it's very simple there's no it's not like you're trading bitcoin so there's a lot of loss there um it's mm. very minimal i don't even know what it sits at i know it's on pancake swap and it's called fartcoin excuse me it's on pancake swap oh, sorry huh
0: pancake swap
1: yeah it's a it's it's a web 3 type it basically it's a it's where it hold the coins so the coins are see. <laughs> it's fart coin it is a coin purse
0: just to be clear it is a coin purse named pancake swap i believe that's
1: what it's called hang on <laughs> okay and what was the other thing you said fart coin it's called Fartcoin. and yeah so Pancake. Okay. it's a smart chain so basically it's you know it's a it's it sits on a blockchain um, and you can trade different types of meme coins, stuff like that. So if you have fart coin, if you ever, um, if you ever see that floating around, you'll see it on TikTok. Um I thought it was a brilliant idea. They definitely um, thought outside the box to try and kind of like educate people, get people involved. And now they have a huge community, you know? So
0: I hope that they have not left a golden opportunity on the ground, on the, on the floor in that every time you do a transaction, there should be like a flatulent sound.
1: You uh, I'm saying? Well, it, they have like what's called passing gas, which is... So it's, it's all centered around farts, and it's it's amazing. I highly encourage people to check that out. Um, it's rena.eth on Twitter. They um, So
0: I, I would imagine that someone's got to be very careful when they look up fart coin, because it's very possible that it could bring up on their browser... Um, some unintended searches,
1: right? I would go and search rena.eth um on most most platforms. I know they're on TikTok, so mm-hmm. that would. So, so, so to, what are what are some of these
0: other like Web three, um, buttoning technologies that you you think are like really fascinating right now? I mean, like, certainly the idea of the NFTs and 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 these rooms and chips being put in your nails. I mean, there's, it just seems like there's a flood of things and like you're far more versed in it than I am. You're far more metaverse than I am. So what are like some of the other things that are like available right now that people can check out?
1: Um, I highly suggest. Um, so digital fashion is one of my, my favorite things right now. Um, mm-hmm. I especially love when you can do like digital fashion, but make it physical fashion either as well. Um, I highly suggest checking out um, restless They're on Twitter. I highly suggest Mm -hmm. checking out. um, There's a a designer. They have a bunch of designers that have linked with Restless. Great um, fashion designers there. Um, I love... um, There's one designer. He does NFTs and stuff like that. uh, I am Masquerade on Twitter. Uh, Great designer as well. There's a lot of... I'm constantly fishing for stuff. So... (laughs) You know, um, Decentraland, if you want to check that out, that is a like, kind of a Web3 metaverse space. Um, and of okay. course, you can check out the, there's also Charlie Cohen. She is also doing amazing things um, in the metaverse space as well. She did a collab with Pokemon, which is kind of amazing.
0: That's very cool. Have you ever thought, I just, just came to me now, have you ever thought about like, write, like forming a blog around these items? I have. I wish
1: I had time my, my biggest, (laughs) my biggest problem is finding time. Um, I do go to school full time and then I also work full time and then trying to move.
0: (laughs) I, I bring this up because, you know, again, um, I'm, I'm very much an analog guy in a digital world and I recognize that, but I do think that there's and this this is the truth for NFTs as well, that there's, there is very limited information that's available to us to be able to make a, a firm decision for ourselves about whether or not these things are good, bad, or if it's a simply a weapon that is allowed to be uh, shaped by the user or if it's an alien life form that has perpetrated humanity and is manipulating us to our own doom or nirvana. I don't know really what this is all leading towards, but I do know that the best way to make decisions and to have an open mind is to get good faith information regardless of whether your personal feelings are going into it and i feel like you always do a very fair job about presenting things and doing them in a way that don't ignore the possible downfalls but also highlight the possible applications that can be used and it does feel like there needs to be a bit more of that outside of the crypto bro community because we talked about board apes right and it's definitely a a, a, a what what the kids call it chads it's like
1: a chad environment right bro 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 dogs it can be you know crypto bro um right now my biggest thing is i like for me i'm very novice in a lot of this as well i'm not going to say like i'm an nft expert i'm not going to say i'm expert on blockchain but what i look for is i want to see you know i want to see more Fem or female presenting creators. I want to see that boost. I'm so tired of the the, you know, the bullish male crowd constantly pushing, you know, you know, more money, more money. I want to see creatives. Um, that's where my interest lies, as I feel there's more value in the creative aspect of it.
0: Yeah. And it does feel like everything that we're talking about is sort of the intersection between video games and social media in a, in a, in a way. Mm -hmm. Right. The community that was promised and the commerce, for that matter, that was promised to us through social media with the sort of technology and landscape building and um, uh, customization that existed within video games. And these two item, these two sort of arenas are are clashing or coming together or intersecting. And predominantly video games have been dominated by uh, a very male aesthetic. And social media to a lesser degree, but certainly I think from the influencer standpoint, tends to be more dominated by a fem- female aesthetic. And right now, the language about what is going to come from this intersection is, seems to be more dominated by the video game crowd. And it's sort of leaving out the other perspective that exists. You know, the social influencer, the, the, the fashion, um, the things that sort of were born out of your Instagram, for example. That part of the dialogue seems to be missing, and it's all about like, bro, check out this cool ape I made, bro, bro. It's so bro-ish, bro. You know, then, and, and I think that that's that's part of the that's, that's part of the negativity that's surrounding some of this technology, is because I think that that singular viewpoint is a disservice to the possibilities.
1: I yeah no I agree hundred um, percent I I know that a lot of the NFT spaces is very gamified um, and can be very bro-ish um, There's some There's some good guys out there I do you know I do follow a few but at the same time like There's so much that the the fem and the women creators are doing right now They have you know things to empower these women um, you know and mm-hmm. I feel like that's where a lot of the support and the human aspect comes from it. Is I feel like that's where we kind of miss the mark on a lot of like digital stuff. Is like there is still a human there, and I think that we should you know kind of support that and have a little balance, a little more balance than just the you know, go hard or go home bullish crowd.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I- I'm a big believer that the best art is created when you see a void that needs to be filled, and um, and I think that someone who understands both what is currently being put out there what's missing and you know you, you you noted earlier that you're a novice and that this is an exploration but the, i i think there's nothing wrong with being a novice and and sharing your journey because most people who will seek out someone a blog or videos or what have you they're they're coming at it from a place of trying to learn And one of my biggest frustrations in the occult community, as you know, (laughs) is that there's a lot of novices that present themselves as experts because they feel like they have to rather than presenting themselves as someone on a journey and bringing the audience along with them. I think that if they shifted their perspective in that manner, they would probably eliminate some of the criticisms aimed at them. And I feel like the NFT community and the blockchain community is a little bit in that same way, whereas everyone's an expert and I doubt those credentials sometimes and it turns people off because it feels like to understand that technology, you already have to know about it. It's like a speakeasy. You know, you only know about it if you know about it. It's like, well, okay, how do you get into it? How do you get informed so that you can understand whether or not this is something for you or not? And, and I would urge you, if you could find the time, I know you're very busy, but (laughs) maybe maybe this is a voice that that can be provided by you maybe this is a, a an art project that you could take on that would allow you to provide what you're not seeing in this discussion
1: yeah, i i absolutely i think that's a great idea i agree with you 100% um i feel like you know oh I'm, put up a chair sit at the table <laughs> yeah start the blog now um i feel <laughs> like <laughs> i feel like though that when you know it's like i am on a journey and i always say that i'm a novice so like things i might misspeak or i might um change my opinion about later i know that we're all kind of in that space and i think it's okay to understand that like when you are a novice it's okay to do that and i feel like when you're learning and you're learning from people who are willing to teach you and guide you instead of You know, just kind of shove down numbers and tell you what to buy, how to buy it, and then end up losing thousands of dollars. Um, You know, that's a little more traumatizing than kind of going, hey, this is what I know. This is what I've learned. I, you know, I might be wrong. Let's investigate this together.
0: Those have always been the mentors or the or the or the guiders, the guidance that I've always gravitated towards. The people who say I'm not telling you that anything I'm telling you is new. I'm not telling you everything I'm saying is exactly the way it is. I'm just telling you what's worked for me or what I have found and what I have uncovered, what I think of it. And then you make your own choice. Because I think that that is one thing that as a society, we both need. And I think we see a movement Towards, If you look at some of the people like to shift just briefly into politics and social political happenings and news, <laughs> you see a big move towards people getting disenfranchised and dis, um, disconnected to mainstream media because of the perception and the reality of there being an unspoken biased behind everything that they do. I think people are smelling the bullshit and they want something else. What does that open the door for? Well, your Joe Rogans, your Russell Brands, your uh, YouTube lawyers, uh, the, it opens the door for other people to come in and say, I might have a take on this. I might have a perspective and, and I'm going to present it to you. And I believe that you can make up your own mind based on what I'm saying. Whereas your more mainstream traditional institutions have always said, no, this is the right way. This is what you're supposed to believe. And if you don't believe it, then you're wrong. I think people are getting away from that. I think that the official outlets by which we used to get all of our information, we don't trust nearly on the same level. So to bring it back to this conversation, I think just think it opens up a, a, a real array of opportunities for people to have their voice be heard. And I would just urge folks to do it in a manner... To to share advice that was given to me many years ago, don't say you're flying a 747 when you're barely learning how to fly a Cessna. But learning to fly a Cessna might be good, valuable information to people who are otherwise unsure of whether or not this budding, unstoppable, inevitable technology is something that they should be more deeply or less deeply involved in how they can benefit to their use, how they can incorporate into their spiritual practice. Maybe not at all, maybe all in, maybe somewhere in between. I was listening to a podcast the other day, talking uh, when they were talking to the, the owner of Substack and this, this open forum ability to provide writing and viewpoints and perspectives. And not all of them are going to be agreeable. Not all of them are something that I feel like are responsible, but opening the door for those discussions to be had so that rather than off platforming folks, we are defeating them with our own words. And so for someone, uh, for this technology, which like with like all technologies is going to come with a lot of overreactions, both for and against, it does feel like we're in the perfect time for more voices to enter the arena and to try to provide a little bit more of a, a grassroots humanistic perspective, not motivated by the extremes on either side. Yeah,
1: definitely. The fuck around and find out.
0: <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's the explanation, right? The, 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 sci- uh, you know, the occult or, or magic is, is the, um, the purpose of religion with the methodology of science, right? Not everyone maybe subscribe to that but I certainly do and I think that us exploring with and experimenting with this technology isn't inherently a bad thing it's just a matter of going into it with eyes wide open
1: definitely go out and explore like you never know what you're going to find if you don't go look
0: so just as we start to wrap this up I would like to offer the opportunity for to, to prognosticate just a slight bit the next five years, what is this world you're envisioning based on where the technology is right now and the way that it's it's advancing, what does the next five years look like both uh, as a society within this sort of nft Bitcoin cryptocurrency blockchain metaverse technology in in, in general society in magic in fashion and all those aspects of our social life where where do you imagine that we're going to be in just in just in five years
1: oh well um i definitely see us more integrating into like more metaverse spaces i I definitely see more information and education coming out and as well as accessibility um and i find that people are going to start joining these communities and you know starting to explore and how to find their identity as well as like how to basically um you know how they want to be perceived by people online. And as far as like crypto coin, I cannot um visually see where it's going to go. Um just because I mean it's like the stock market, it goes up, it goes down, it crashes, it could do all sorts of things. Um, and plus, I do not give out financial advice because I'm irresponsible financially. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, I would. I see the the metaverse and the more Web three connections happening. I see um, people exploring identity more and community. Um, but yeah.
0: Well, I think we've all learned that technology is a bit like a genie. Once it's out of the bottle, it's out. And so, whether or not. You know, one point of cryptocurrency crashes or booms. I think that, that that blockchain technology is out there and will be applied, and I think it would be worthwhile for everyone to do their own inf- their own research into it to see if anything regarding it can be applied to their personal life practices, um, whether or not it provides opportunities for them. In, in some regard, but also to be mindful of probably its addictive nature, which I'm sure in the next few years we'll also be talking about. I just find the whole thing very interesting, and I think it's worth constant discussion and checking in because I think that if we have the same conversation a year from now, we might we might have very different perspectives of it, or we might see the realization of what we're talking about today. Um, it is very, very fascinating to be on the edge of this new technological boom. I mean you could certainly say that we're in it. I think the technological age started in the late nineties with the boom dot com and all that. But I think that we're about to see a, a new evolution of this, for better or for worse. And it's very it's very fascinating to watch to see what this becomes. I think we're very fortunate that we were born in a time where we can either see the dawning of a new age or the, the beginning of the end of the world. I'm not sure which it is, but it's certainly not boring any which way.
1: It certainly is not boring. Um, let's hope it's not the end of the world, but you know, my millennial uh, self is, you know, <laughs> fine with that. No, I, I hope that it just continues to grow and flourish and we see, you know, more exciting things come out of it.
0: I agree. So Bobby, tell everyone where they can find you on your socials if they choose to learn more. And I, and, and maybe one day if you do in fact do start a blog, uh, technomancy blog that, that they can maybe find that information.
1: So you can find me at doll parts and parts is spelled with a Z 84 at, um, on all social media.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you once again, as always, I hope that next time I see you, We'll be in person down here in SoCal once again. Come out to the coast, have a good time, have some laughs. I'm trying. And and thank you for educating me about this technology that I'm very weary of because I'm old and new technology frightens me, scares me. I don't know how to program a, a, a VCR yet still. Um, but you're always very patient with me and you try to – you hear my fears and you never take it personally. And I always appreciate that. And thank you for informing everyone else. I hope that it, at very minimum, uh, it triggers conversation, debate, um, introspection, and investigation, because that is the formula for having uh, an open and educated society. So thank you for sharing your information as much as you know about it and your perspective. It's always very welcomed. Thank you. I would like to once again thank Bobby for coming on the podcast and sharing her insights and enlightening me on some of the specifics and the new ways that the uh, the uh, what is it called Web point three can be utilized NFTs cryptocurrency all that technomancy um, it's it's fascinating to me and I and I mentioned the Bowie quote earlier in the podcast and I think that that's still where I land on it it is both marvelous and inspiring and and also terrifying. And, and, um, I don't know that we know where this is going, but I think that it's going to be an interesting ride one way or the other. So thank you, Bobby, for that perspective. And thank you all for listening. Once again, I do truly appreciate the time that you spend listening to this podcast. I would always urge you all to make up your own minds on any of these hot point issues. The rise of technomancy, of technology, of, of advancement um, through technological means is something that I think is very controversial. I mean, most of us use technology in our lives so in such an integrated manner that it's hard to imagine separating ourselves from them, from these technologies, even when just a few years ago they didn't even exist. Now, whether or not that's for good or for bad, there are certainly some people who, who talk about, for example, Elon Musk's Neuralink, and they think, how amazing might it be for you to be able to speak any language? Think about the communication walls that would tear down, or just being able to learn craft at a craft at a rate that would allow you to then exercise your creativity with the skill set that can be obtained you know, at the speed of thought. On the other hand, there's something to be said for earning. There's something to be said for uh, the weight. There's something to be said for not always having instant gratification, instant access, instant skill set. I don't know where you all land, but I hope that what we can do on this show is to provide some different perspectives that allow you all to think for yourself and come up with your own conclusion as to whether or not this is good, bad, or in the middle. Probably it's in the middle, but you know, we never know until we... Really consider all the different perspectives and with those considerations in mind, hopefully we as a culture, as a community, as a society can start to activate and um, be engaged with the way that these things roll out and in what manner they are used. I talked about at the top of the podcast, the nuclear bomb or a gun or a hammer for that matter, or a keyboard. We all know how it can go from something very, very positive to something very negative with a mere keystroke. Now, I think that the same technology and the same uh, care needs to go into exploring these new technologies. And uh, the more we know about them, the more we can refine our uh, behaviors with them. Or at very minimum, we can go into them with eyes wide open. So I appreciate you all's time. I appreciate Bobby's time. I want to thank you all. I want to wish you all a wonderful week this week. I want you to explore the world and express yourself and have an open mind and think for yourself and come to your own conclusions, and share. Share your stories. Share your conversations. Share your thoughts. Never be quieted, no matter what anyone is telling you, because just because the crowd is going one way doesn't mean it's right. It also doesn't mean it's wrong. So thank you all very, very much. Uh, Have a wonderful day, and until next time, gold rings on you all.